0: All right, take your Bibles and turn to Judges chapter thirteen. Brother Josh said on Wednesday night, "I'm going to be quick." And usually, when somebody says that, they're not. He was. I'll give it to him. He was. He was. He was. Uh, he was quick. He didn't. Uh, he didn't go twice as long as he normally would, like most of them do when they say that. "I'm not going to be long tonight," and you're like, "Okay, you said you weren't going to be long. You're longer than you normally would be." We're not going to be long tonight. And I mean that, but Judges chapter 13, I only have one point, you know, I always have an outline that I, that I um, put up here for you to follow along with and everything else. I don't have an outline tonight because I just have one point that I want to get across to you, but I want to kind of set it up a little bit. So Judges chapter 13, uh, one of the most recognizable stories, probably next to maybe David and Goliath, Daniel in the lion's den, maybe Noah's ark, you know, is this story of Samson and uh, especially when it comes to stories for the kids and everything else, but these are not just stories for the kids. These are stories for us, you know, and you go back and start reading through some of these familiar Bible stories, and boy, there's there's a lot of things that, oh, I didn't know that was that way, or or they didn't add that detail when they told it to us as a kid, or whatever else, you know, And I, and I get it, because obviously there's not enough time to tell the whole story with every detail, but You go back and read some of the familiar Bible stories again, and there's some great details in there that you missed. There's some great great parts of the story that we miss out on. But Samson is obviously a very familiar story to us. He was a mighty man. He was a special man. He was set apart to do great things for God from even before he was born. But the Bible says in Judges chapter 13 and verse number 7, But he said unto me, Behold, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and now drink no wine, nor strong drink, neither eat any unclean thing, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Then Manoah, who is Samson's father, by the way, here's an interesting fact about the story of Samson. Samson's mother's name is never mentioned. It's just called his mother, or Manoah's wife, never mentioned her by name. Why, I don't know, but we don't have her name. Um, but it was a miraculous birth because she, you know, she, she had not been able to, to have a baby, and God gives her a child. And he's a Nazarite. Now, there's a difference between a Nazarite and a Nazarene. A Nazarene is somebody from Nazareth. A Nazarite is someone who was set apart from birth uh, with very strict instructions about what they could and could not do. One of the things was they were not allowed to drink anything that had to do with grapes. No wine, which would be not just the strong drink that the wine, the, in the wine that the Bible is talking about when it talks about strong drink, but wine, the Bible mentions, uh, as in the fruit of a grape. We're not allowed to touch it. They were not allowed to touch anything dead, and they were not allowed to cut their hair. Those were, those were the things that separated a Nazarite from everybody else. And God separates Samson from, from the womb, from before he was born. So he's, he tells Samson's mother, these are things that you cannot do either, because as long as he's in the womb, which, by the way, goes to show you that it's a baby from the moment of conception, not, you know, after it's born or, or two weeks after it's born. It's a baby from conception, and we ought to do everything we can to protect babies in the womb. That's not the point of what we're, what we're looking at tonight, but I want to show you this in verse number 24. And the woman bare a son and called his name Samson, and the child grew... And the Lord blessed him, and the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtual. Now, Samson was one of the judges, and one of the things that you see all the way throughout the book of Judges, but with every one of the judges that Israel had, is that they would go through the same cycle. They would sin, God would have to bring judgment on them, usually in the form of, uh, of another city or another a group of people coming and and overtaking them, they would repent, or, or God would send a judge to Israel, they would repent, God would grant them freedom, and then the cycle would start all over again. They would fall back into sin, and then God would send judgment, and then a judge would come along and say, you better get right. They would get right, God would deliver them, and that cycle just happened over and over and over again. So here we are in the middle of one of those cycles with Samson. Now, by the way, I don't think Samson was a huge guy with gigantic muscles. You know, we talk talk about Samson as being the strongest man in the world, right? I mean, we're going to look at a couple of the things that Samson did. He He was a strong man. But why is it then that the Philistines were desperate to figure out what the source of his power was? If the source of his power was these gigantic muscles, they would say, well, look how big the guy is. No wonder he can pick up a gate and walk away with it, right? But I think that's one of the things that made Samson unique. They couldn't figure out where in the world is this guy's power from because he was probably average or maybe even below average, you know. Uh, And I just kind of picture Samson as this little short guy with, you know, twigs for arms and he's picking up these city gates and walking away with them, you know, and doing all this crazy stuff that a normal person would never be able to do, let alone a guy with gigantic muscles would be able to do. They can't figure out the source of his strength. They can't figure out why he's strong. If he was this huge beast of a guy... He would have muscles coming out of everywhere, and they would say, it's no wonder why he's doing all these things, right? So, I mean, the Bible doesn't tell us either way, but I think Samson was probably just an average-looking guy. And slowly but surely, though God was using Samson, he starts to make poor decisions. The Bible says that God moved him at times in the camp of Dan. God had set him apart from his mother's womb to be something special. Samson starts to make decisions that move him away, and you can see that his relationship with God is not... Uh, what it should have been. He makes decisions to go directly against his Nazarite vow, and I'm not going to take the time to go through the entire story, but uh, he eats honey out of the carcass of a lion. He drinks wine. The only thing that he had not done was cut his hair, but he starts to play with the power of God. He puts a riddle to the Philistines, and and this is Judges 13, 14, 15, 16. That's, That's the main chapters where you see these things taking place, but he puts puts a riddle to the Philistines and his new wife which by the way he got from the camp of the Philistines who his parents warned him against can't you find somebody in Israel he said no go get her for me to wife remember that and so his parents i don't know why they didn't stand up to him but they went down there and they get this woman and they bring him back and bring her back and uh, his new wife gave up his secret to these Philistines, and so he owed them 30 changes of clothes. So what does he do? He goes out and kills 30 Philistines, takes their clothes, and gives it to these people that he, owed, that he owes the clothes to, right? Um, he, he tied firebrands between 300 foxes and sent them all the way throughout their fields and just burned all of their fields down. He killed over 1,000 Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. I mean, could you imagine that? And that's why these Philistines are just beside themselves. What are we going to do with this guy? What do we have to do to stop him? And obviously, I I mean, I don't think the Philistines recognized necessarily the power of God, but they knew there was something different about this man Samson. He was not just somebody that they could go shoot with an arrow and he's done, you know. I mean, he just, he kept, they were never able to capture him. God was using him, but apparently he didn't realize where his power was coming from. Or at least he didn't, he didn't acknowledge it. And so he goes uh, to a harlot, and when they try to take him, when he was there at her house, he carries away the gates of the city. Just picks up the gates. I mean, could you imagine this? Could you imagine what the Philistines thought when they got up the next morning and found the gates? I mean, it'd be one thing if that happened today, right? Oh, somebody's playing a joke. They, they got a crane out there in the middle of the night and brought these gates and set them on the top of the hill. They didn't have that kind of stuff. And here, they wake up in the morning, and the gates to their city, not just the gates, the posts and everything, are sitting at the top of a hill, and Samson's gone. Could you imagine what must have been going through their mind? We had this guy. We captured him. How in the world do you just take the posts and the gates and carry it to the top of the hill? But that's what Samson did. And then he meets a woman named Delilah. And somehow, I don't know how, but he feels a special connection to this woman, and the Philistines get to her, and they promise her great wealth if she can figure out where the secret of his strength was. And obviously, Delilah pretended that she loved Samson, and, uh, and maybe she had some kind of feelings for him or whatever else, but those feelings were not strong enough to overpower the money that they were offering her and the wealth that they were offering her to find out this secret. Now, you have to remember this. Delilah was a Philistine. And so she would have been there when all of these things were happening. It's almost like, I mean, and and I don't even know how to compare it, but let's just say that Russia starts attacking into the United States, and they drop a bomb on New York, and they devastate buildings, and then they drop a bomb in Chicago, and they devastate buildings, and then they drop a bomb in Orlando, and they devastate buildings. It may not affect us directly, but we're all going to know about it, and we're going to know everything about it and we see a German plane flying overhead, and we're going to be on high alert, right? And I think that's kind of the same way that it was with Delilah. Maybe all of these things that were happening, maybe one of the thousand Philistines was not one of her relatives or something like that. Maybe maybe she was not affected directly, but she was a Philistine, and she knew Samson was a thorn in the side of the Philistines. And so she agrees that she'll help them figure out exactly where the source of his strength is coming from. And so, Uh, the only part of the Nazarite vow that he he had not broken was that he had never cut his hair. I can imagine. I don't know how old Samson was by this point, but you figure that he's probably in his 30s or 40s. He's been 30 or 40 years without cutting his hair once. Could you imagine what a mangy, you know, what a mangy animal Samson must have looked like walking around with his hair just everywhere, you know? Uh, And, I mean, the fact that nobody mentioned it. It's almost kind of like, why did nobody, you know, oh, you're talking about the really hairy guy walking around with hair down, you know. Why did nobody mention his hair? I don't know. And why did they not think, oh, there's got to be something in the hair, (laughs) you know? Uh, I mean, because it's not like everybody's walking around like that. So I don't know exactly, obviously, everything that was going on in that day. But you know the story. He tells Delilah that if they bind him with seven green widths, his strength will be gone. And he's messing with them. And so he wakes up and I mean, you'd think that this would be the first indication that Delilah was not his friend. Delilah says, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he wakes up, and he breaks those green widths. He kills all the Philistines, and and he leaves, you know. Well, he comes back again. And she, oh, Samson, how could you do this to me? You said that that was going to be this, you know, that was going to end your strength. And he said, okay, I'm I'm sorry. I was was lying to you. Um, You know, uh, I'll tell you what. You go... Uh, you go get some threads that have never been used before, ropes, essentially, and you wrap those ropes around me, seven ropes, and I'll be just like anybody else. And so you'd think he would get the point. But the next night, he says, Delilah says, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he wakes up, and, of course, he breaks those things as if they were, and the Bible kind of explains it as if they were just burnt with fire. He just, I mean, he just breaks them up, kills all the Philistines. And of course, Delilah does the same thing. She cries, oh, you betrayed me, and and he tells her, you know, um, well, I'll tell you what then, and here he's getting closer and closer to the real truth, because what does he say next? I'll tell you what, you take my hair, and you wind it up in a weaver's beam, and I will be just like any other man. I won't be able to do anything against it. Well, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are upon you, I mean, Three times is a charm. Every time he's been bound up and done what he said was going to be the end of his strength, the Philistines are upon him. At, th- at that point, to me, I'd be saying, this is, n- this is not a coincidence anymore. Something's going on with Delilah, but he didn't get it, and so she wakes him up again. Samson, the Philistines are upon you, and he gets up, and with that weaver's beam attached to his head, he goes and kills all of those Philistines, and so Delilah does the same thing that she's done the last few times. She cries and says, you betrayed me. How can you do this to me? And so finally, finally, he tells her his whole heart. He breaks the secret to her that he has a Nazarite vow. And one of the portions of that Nazarite vow was that his hair was not to be cut. And if his hair was ever cut, then he would lose his strength. And that night, she cut his hair, shaved his head. And we come to one of the saddest verses in the Bible, I believe, in Judges chapter 16, and verse number 20, and she said, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he woke out of his sleep, and he said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. Verse 21, but the Philistines took him, put out his eyes, brought him down to Gaza, and bound him with fetters of brass, and he did grind In the prison house. Grinding in the prison house was what the animals did. They would tie oxen to these millstones and they would walk in circles. And now that's what Samson was doing because he underestimated the power of God and he treated the power of God lightly. The power of God is not something that we take lightly and when God, or should take lightly, and when God uses us, we have to realize where the source of our strength is. Now, none of us have picked up the gates of the city and carried them away. None of us have, you know, done anything crazy like that. But God has used each one of us in different situations at different times. We have to remember that God is the source of our strength. He is where our power comes from. And so here's the simple truth that I want to get across This afternoon is this. Something that we have to remember is that it's not us. It's not us. It's God through us. It's not us. It's God through us. It's easy to think that we have all the wisdom or all the knowledge because we can give someone an answer and we can make them feel good or we can do whatever, you know, when it comes to whatever it is that we think we have as a forte, right? Uh, But we have to remember where that comes from and who that comes from. The easiest thing for us to do is to rely on our experience or how good we were in this situation or that situation and completely push God out of the picture. That's exactly what Samson did. Samson was acting in the power of God, whether he acknowledged it or not, Samson was acting in the power of God when he broke those seven green widths. He was acting in the power of God when he broke those seven ropes. He was acting in the power of God when he had his hair in a weaver's beam. But he lost that power. And he thought that he was acting in the same power that he had always been in. And he woke up, and the Bible says he wished not that the Lord had departed from him. What a sad thing. I don't know when or how, but one day we're going to go out as at other times before to perform our job, to do what God's called us to do. And wish not that the Lord departed from us. And that's going to be a sad day. Why don't you look at two verses with me and we'll be done? Turn over to Zechariah. Zechariah Malachi, second to the last book in the Old Testament. Zechariah is actually um, a, a, a pretty large book, believe it or not. It has a lot of things in it that are really interesting, um, a lot of prophecy of things that are going to be um, in the future. But Zechariah. Chapter 4, and verse number 6. The Bible says this. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. It doesn't matter how strong you think you are. It doesn't matter how wise you think you are. It doesn't matter all of the physical capabilities that you think you have, it's not by us. It's by Him. It's by His power. Jeremiah chapter 9. Turn there and we'll be done. Jeremiah chapter 9. The Bible says this in verse number 23. Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, Neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. Which, by the way, the fact that he's saying this means that that happens a lot. Right? People who think they have a lot of knowledge, whether it's teachers or preachers or counselors or whoever, don't let the wise man glory in his wisdom. Don't let the strong man glory in his might. Don't let the, uh, the rich man glory in his riches. We all do it. We got riches? I mean, look at all these the rich people. The Bible says that, that it's harder for a rich man to come to Christ than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Why is that? It's because they're counting on their riches. We count on our own wisdom instead of on the wisdom of Christ. We count on our riches instead of on the riches of Christ. We count on our own power instead of in the power of Christ. But he says this in verse number 24, Jeremiah 9:24. But let him that glorieth glory in this, That he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. Let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. That's the secret of our power, to understand and to know him. That only comes by reading the word of God, by studying the word of God, by praying and spending time with God, by being in church, by, by doing these things that we can get closer to God in doing. Let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that's the source of our strength. That's the source of our power. And that's what Samson lost. Samson was glorying in his own might. Samson was glorying in his own strength. He was glorying in his own wisdom and his own cunning and his own, you know, riddles and all of those other things, and he forgot the source of his strength. I think everyone in here today would say that they want to be effective in helping other people however we can, if they need help emotionally or physically or or spiritually, especially when it comes to leading people to Christ or whatever else. Um, But the only way that we can truly help people, the only way that we can truly accomplish everything that God has laid out for us to accomplish in this life is if we do what we do in the power of God. That's it. And when we step outside of that power and wish not that the Lord's departed from us, we find ourselves in a very miserable situation. Allow him to work in us first and then through us as we accomplish what he's laid out for us to accomplish. What a sad commentary of a Man, that could have been great. Could you imagine what Samson would have been able to do? And obviously, God used him again. The Bible says at the end of Samson's life that he killed more people in his death than he did in his entire life because he got that that slave boy to lead him over to the pillars that were holding the entire building up. And even without his eyeballs, even without being able to see Samson, the Bible says that his hair had started to grow back. He started to get that power back that God had originally given him. And here all of these Philistine leaders, all these Philistine lords were gathered in this place and they wanted to make fun of Samson. This was the great and mighty Samson. And yet Samson goes up to those pillars and he pushes those pillars down and in the process of losing his own life, he killed more people in his death than he did in his entire life. God did use him one more time to throw off the oppression of the Philistines. But could you imagine... What Samson would have been able to do? What would you do if you had all the power in the world? What would you do if you could, you know, if your superpower was strength? I mean, there's no telling what Samson could have done if he had allowed God to use him throughout his whole life. But he wished not that the Lord had departed from him. And Samson, the Bible says, became just like any other man. What a sad, sad thing when it happens in a Christian's life. Wish not that God's power is departed from us and we become as any other man. You know what that means? That means when we do have God's power in our life, we're not the same as just any other man. We're being used in a great way by God, and we can be used in a great way by God, and he wants to use us in a great way. But we have to make sure we're relying on God's power, not our own. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for how good you are to us. I thank you for uh, wonderful, faithful people that we have here. And I pray for all those. I know that everybody that's not heres they're not here because they're going through difficult things. And I know just about everybody here has somebody at home that's going through something as well. So I, I pray that you'd heal those that are that are not well and that you'd bring us all back together next week. But God, even, even, even beyond that, I pray that you'd help each one of us to remember the source of our strength. Remember that everything that we're able to accomplish, everything that we're able to do is only done through you. I pray that you would help each one of us to allow the power of God to work through us so that we can be the most effective servants for you that we can possibly be. Thank you for what you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would stand at your seats with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I know it's not a long message, but perhaps God spoke to your heart tonight, and if he did, I want to give you an opportunity to come to the altar.